Oh my days. Welcome back to episode 14 of Tom's Takes. This is me, Tom Patterson. How are you all going? I hope you all are doing well. Um, I'm doing well myself. It is Tuesday, the 14th of June uh, for me. But wherever you are right now, whatever time it is for you, I hope you are having a great day. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everybody reaching out at Tom Patterson 97 on Instagram or sending me a direct message on Facebook and showing me lots of love, showing me lots of support. I, I appreciate you guys. And lots of people have hit me up with, uh, Queensland recommendations, like things to do or places to, to stay or things to, you know, places to go eat or yeah, things to do. So I really appreciate that. It's been cool to, I don't know, I'm the type of person, not super like type A personality, but like to plan and have lots of options for lots of different holidays whenever we go. So it's been great to do some research and read lots of reviews or read lots of things online about where to go or where to stay or places to eat or yeah, things to do. But then hearing some of your guys' recommendations and some of them are new and that's like awesome. And then it's like extra reassuring where it's like, oh, I think like places like, um, you know, Burley Heads would be good. And lots of people are saying, yeah, that's an awesome place or these type of bakeries or this go and have lunch here or go have dinner here or go to this beach. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting pumped. I'm getting excited. <laughs> the hype is, is real for this holiday. I'm very keen to, <laughs> um, to get out of New South Wales at the moment just cause it's been so cold. <laughs> so hopefully going up North, going close to the equator, it's a bit, uh, warmer. Apparently it's, um, like average temps of 21 degrees, um, Celsius usually in wintertime in Queensland. So that should be a nice change. Um, you know, not swimming weather, I don't think, but <laughs> hopefully maybe I can will it into existence, but, um, yeah, uh, very excited. And yeah, thanks everybody for sharing your recommendations and things to do up there. Um, yeah, I've been doing, doing good lately. It's kind of winding down this semester, which is nice. So getting a little bit less busy and can focus more on the PhD sort of work and get into this rhythm of just, you know, doing a bit of research, going to the gym, um, coming home, taking it easy, taking a chill and yeah, taking care of myself well. So should be a nice couple of couple month reset here in June, July and until August when second semester starts where I can really focus in on everything and not sort of stretch myself too thin on lots of things. <laughs> um, I think it'll be easier to do two episodes a week of the podcast as well. Um, which will be nice. Um, depending on how much stuff is going on. I don't know there's always things going on, so it should be good. <laughs> um, anyway, I was thinking um, like that was like my routine last year, especially just doing like chipping away at research work and going to the gym or exercising, going on my like not like the hot girl walks, but my equivalent of like the Adam Sandler walks where instead of like a hot girl walk where you're, you're looking your best and you're strutting your stuff, <laughs> you're on your Adam Sandler walk and I'm in my socks and slides and I'm looking <laughs> like garbage. I've got a big hoodie on and <laughs> like, you know, sunglasses, the hoodies over the head, wearing a hat. It's like, I look like an absolute criminal, I look like a stalker, <laughs> very intimidating presence <laughs> walking around, walking around the hills. Um, but on my Adam Sandler walks, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's good. Anyway, I was thinking, damn, it's nearly like a year's time since 
the big lockdowns in in Sydney in New South Wales last year. It's like the year anniversary before since we went into that almost like a three month lockdown period last year. And I was thinking, or wanted to know from you guys. I wanted to ask, you know, what kept you sane? What what kept you busy? What did you try and do during lockdown when we couldn't really go out? Like what? Did you try any new things or, yeah, what kept you busy? Because I was just reflecting like, oh, I remember like, yeah, we couldn't really go out that much and I don't know. It's like the similar sort of thing that I'm going to go into now where not teaching as much, just going to kind of get into this routine of like we're locked down again a little bit where I just stay at home, grind out research, do some exercise, go for some walks, um, you know, rinse, repeat. So but I was reflecting back on the lockdown experience for me and I was like, interesting because I have so much energy I love to be physically active so it's like try to do one thing that I tried and learned was like skipping so got decent at that it's like oh now I haven't been too consistent with it so you have to let me know what skills or what things you tried in lockdown and whether you've kept up with it because I couldn't go to the gym couldn't really walk around too much like you had could only go like five kilometers radius from your house and gyms were closed anyway so it was like oh I could only just go on walks and do like the prison workouts where you're just doing push-ups and (laughs) chin-ups and that sort of stuff um so I was just doing that um so then I wanted to make it more interesting because it's like oh I don't want to just do push-ups all day (laughs) or something so we had a skipping rope so I, I tried some skipping and was watching some TikTok videos of other people going like doing some crazy footworks or doing some dances or doing some flicks with the ropes. It's like, yeah, I can, I can work up to that. <laughs> I didn't get that far in the, in the three months, but could do a little bit of like footwork, dancey stuff with the skipping rope, which was cool. And then, um, we, Pav and I did lots of like paint by numbers type of things as well. Got our Picasso on. <laughs> Picasso, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, did lots of paint by numbers or like just gave ourselves little challenges of like, you know, um, different themes that we had to paint and then getting other people in the family to sort of judge like (laughs) what they liked better or which artwork, yeah, was their favorite and things. So that was fun. Um, damn, what else? Like we had like a dartboard that we got for Christmas a little while ago. So we hung that up and played some darts every now and again, which was nice. Um, tried a bit of cooking, like every Sunday we tried to like Pav and her dad would try like a new recipe to cook because they're on, always on our backs. Like you guys order Uber eat so much and you know, there's food at home. <laughs> but it's like, oh, the food at home is not good. <laughs> or it's like, oh, I don't feel like that right now. <laughs> not that it's not that good, but it's like, oh, I feel like this. And anyway. <laughs> I shouldn't complain too much because it's like I can't really cook too well, just very basic. But um, we tried. So we tried to upskill ourselves every Sunday, which was uh, which was good. Try a new recipe. Try and um, cook a new thing. Like so we cooked some different pastas or yeah, different vegetarian dishes as well. As Pav's dad's vegetarian. Um, yeah, that was really fun. So did some like I don't know. Found creative ways to do exercise. Did some like creativity sort of stuff with the artwork did some darts did some did some cooking oh we we bought us like a nintendo switch in like the first lockdown in like 2020 but then 2021 we used it more and got like crazy good at mario kart and mario party so 
watch out. <laughs> Don't challenge Palm and I to any Nintendo games. Um, and then we recently just got the the new updated like Wii Sports on Nintendo Switch as well, which has been really cool. Um, so yeah, got, got good at like the game sort of thing. So it kind of dabbled in all sort of areas in lockdown. Like it was a long three months, right? <laughs> you had lots of time to do stuff. And I don't know, even if you listen to this and going, Tom, it was just really hard. Lockdown was hard for me. It was really bad on my mental health. I get you. You didn't, not that you had to like prove anything to anyone by using that time to learn a new skill. It's just, just surviving that period and getting through is an achievement. And I'm proud of you for that. And, you know, there's plenty of times where I have my, what's, what's the type of, like a therapeutic or, oh, like soul soothing and yeah, kind of like therapeutic or my mental health TV show where you watch show that you've already watched like thousands of times every episode or a movie that you've watched a hundred times, but it's just, you know, it's good for your soul. Like you really like it or it calms you down or relaxes you when you're super stressed or anxious or not in the best mood. And for for me, that series is like Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, So, you know, those that know, know that show, but if you haven't seen it, definitely go and watch it. Um, It's like this old Nickelodeon show where it's about this young kid who's able to, who has the power of like all four elements, like water, fire, earth, and air. And the fire nation has attacked the fire nation. (laughs) Everything was cool until the fire nation attacked and, um, the fire nation are trying to take over the world. And there's this avatar who has to learn all the four elements and defeat the fire nation, defeat the fire, fire Lord to, to save the world. Um, I love that show. That's my sort of, what's it called? easy watch or binge watch or basically every year when I'm, when I'm going through something or really stressed, it's like, have to watch that show that calms me down. Um, another one is like, I don't know if lots of people have seen this one, but it's an old police sort of crime mob sort of show. It's called the wire. Damn. those Those that have watched it, you know how good it is. It's five seasons long. It's probably one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Yep. I've said it. (laughs) That one's not an easy watch. Like you have to, you have to watch it. Like you can't be on your phone. You can't be on your computer and, and just watch it in the background sort of thing. Um, you really got to watch it, but yeah, that, that series is up there. It's really, really good. And um, maybe it's, I'm just thinking now, I haven't watched that this year. <laughs> I feel like every year I, I watch that and that Avatar The Last Airbender just as like my, my own mental health sort of <laughs> TV show. <laughs> so maybe I should start watching The Wire soon. <laughs> um, um, but I really recommend it. If you haven't seen The Wire, definitely go watch that. Good show. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is even if you just watch TV shows and that's, that's how you got through lockdown, I'm proud of you. Let's go. (laughs) Um, If you did any other things, like let me know what you did. Let me know what what kept you busy. Did you try different exercise stuff like me? (laughs) Um, Did you do like some, you know, creative sort of stuff, Uh, engage the creative part of your brain with art or drawing or journaling or whatever you did? Um, You do a bit of cooking or other things. Yeah. Let me know what what got you through lockdowns um, last year, especially when we had that big three month period. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move into the the NBA Finals. And when I last left you, Boston were up two one after three games. So Boston had stolen the first game at Golden State, one away from home. 
then game two, it was still in Golden State and Golden State finally took care of business and it was one all. Then they went back to Boston and Boston won that game. And I got lots of messages being like, oh, Tom, you sounded nervous in the last podcast. Boston gonna gonna make you cry and they're gonna win. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel, yeah, I can't, I can't say you're wrong, but I, I hope not. Um, so then we just had game four a few days ago and just today we had game five. So I'll take you through both of those now, starting with game four. And in those first three games, man, like Steph Curry has been so special. Uh, you know, even though Boston weren't really guarding him in the best way, like he was getting wide open shots, you know, Steph still had to put it down and he has been averaging over 30 points a game. Um, at least five assists and almost 10 rebounds each game. So it was like, damn, what more can this guy do? And they'd only won, you know, one game. So it was like, damn, Steph Curry can't do this by himself. He needs someone else to, to, to have a big game. He needs Clay Thompson to hit his shots. He needs Draymond Green to be at his best and defending. You know, there was lots of talk that, you know, Draymond Green and this Warriors team is getting old, um, that, you know, Draymond Green had 15 points in this series so far across the three games, but he had 15 fouls as well. So, oh, you know, Draymond can't defend and he's like, you know, they're playing with four out there if he's out there. Like, they're playing with a man down. Like, he's just a jersey on the floor, can't defend. Can't Like, you know, he's just trash-talking players out there. He's not actually good. He's washed up. Get him off the field. Lots of talk about his podcast as well that, you know, every, after every game, you know, it's, uh, yeah, after every game, he drives home, races home, hits the record button on his own computer and starts podcasting away and gets it out that night to everybody. Gets millions of people listening, gets a few more listeners than Tom's takes, but um, we'll have to get the, get him to shout me out one day. But lots of people have been like, oh, forget your podcast, like just focus on the game. But people forget that, like, you know, there was in that great Chicago Bulls team where there was that crazy guy, Dennis Rodman, who was basically the Draymond Green of 20 years ago. And this guy, you know, was winning championships and, you know, he would go play a game. Then, you know, as soon as the final whistle went, you know, there was still more games to be played in the series, but he's on a flight to Las Vegas and he's on you know, dancing on tables and ordering everyone shots and having, you know, 4am wild nights partying away with, with, you know, all the people of Las Vegas, like just going crazy. And, you know, the rest of the team, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen and the boys, Steve Kerr, they're all at practice. And the coaches like to the players, where's Dennis? Where's Dennis Rodman? And then everyone's like, oh yeah, he's in Las Vegas. He's just like partying away. And I don't think you can get away with this now, but it just shows like, I don't know, all this guy is doing is having a podcast and talking about, you know, expressing his views, his takes, his sort of analysis of the game. You know, he's not, I don't think it's harmful. I don't think he should stop podcasting. I think it's a nice thing for him to do, especially when he's away from home. Like, what else, what else do you expect him to do? Like he's still, you know, getting enough hours sleep. He's still eating right. He's still training, you know, he's not being detrimental to the team. He's allowed to, to have a podcast. He's not like Dennis Rodman going crazy and I don't know, 
being MIA for two, three days and showing up, you know, missing all these practices and just basically showing up for the games. And uh, even him, even Dennis Robin, when he did that, right, he was still playing insane. So it just shows these guys are pro athletes. They know how to perform at this level. And I don't know, take it easy on Draymond Green. It was, I don't know if you guys saw this too, but everyone was having a go at him, like I said, that he's had more fouls or he's had just you know, just as many fouls in this series as he does points, you know, he doesn't contribute on the field, he's washed up. So that was coming from NBA analysis, like analysis team members, like or media members, the fans, even some players, like for, like former and current players, all on Twitter, calling out Draymond Green. But the worst of it, get this right, Draymond Green's own mum, his mother, came out on Twitter and was dissing him as well, saying, that's not my son, that must be a clone out there, like, I'm disappointed in him, he better, like, pull it all together, I'm ashamed to watch him at the moment. It was like, holy crap, is this, is this real? And it was, it was a legit tweet, verified tweet by Draymond Green's own mother calling him out that he's played trash so far. And it was like, oh damn, this is only going to go one of two ways here. Like imagine, imagine like how bad does it feel when your parents call you out on anything, right? Especially if it's like the, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) It's like, oh shit. I've like, I've let the whole world down here. You know, no one can no one can say anything at this point. Like no one can make me feel any worse than I feel than that, you know? Oh, so it's like, after hearing that, it's like one of two ways. It's like Draymond Green is destroyed. He's like messed up mentally. Now he's the golden state warriors are going to lose this game or damn, his own mom is coming after him. My own mom's coming after me. I have to like fire up. I have to like regain my honor. I have to, you know, prove everything on my family name. <laughs> and he comes out and be like the best version of himself. Um, so we'll see. So then, you know, all that was before game four. All that was like the narrative before that, you know, Steph has been crazy good, but no one else in the Warriors is helping him out. Boston with their tall guys are just dominating in the paint, dominating Golden State, getting so many second chance points with the rebounding advantage and the height advantage. And basically it's going to come down to, is you know, Steph Curry was averaging 30 points. Does he need to have a 50 point game and still the other guys struggle to get a win? Or will someone finally step up for Golden State and Steph doesn't need to score 30 anymore. You can just score 20 and have, you know, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole all score 20, 25 points. So it's a bit more of a fair share, a bit more of a team effort. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to have a breath after that. <laughs> I still can't believe Draymond's own mother came out on Twitter and called him out. That's insane. Like, I, I don't, you know, at least send him a text behind closed doors or have a phone call with him, have a Zoom call, have a Skype or whatever, FaceTime live. <laughs> Man, to do it so the whole world can see, oh, that is that is rough. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> let's get into game four now. So the game starts, it's in Boston, so they have the advantage, right? So they're up 2-1 in the series. It's at their home court this game four. If they win this... They will be up 3-1, and they just have to win one more game because it's a best of seven, you know, first of four wins. 
So the game starts very sort of back and forth the whole game. But to start off, the big indication was that like Steph Curry was not missing anything. He was hitting threes from the car park like we usually see him do, like we've been accustomed to seeing him do. And lots of the Golden State players in the last few games were referencing, you know, oh, the Boston crowd has been so sort of atrocious and yelling so many profanities and been so loud and, you know, very hostile place to play. Um, they got to do something about it. We need more security or, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to play in these sort of conditions. And again, so like lots of people were trying to put Steph Curry off, doing lots of jeers, taunting him. And Steph Curry is not the type of player to interact with fans ever. But then from the first quarter, he was hitting threes and he was getting fouled while he was hitting threes, but the rest, you know, swallowed their whistles, were allowing it. They were like, oh, no foul there. You know, you can just shoulder charge Steph Curry as he's jump shooting a three-pointer and, you know, potentially twist his ankles or, you know, knock him off balance. But yeah, no foul. And the shot would still go in and yeah, (laughs) he was just playing insane. But all the Boston fans were screaming at Steph Curry. And a big indication in this game was, damn, Steph Curry was like shouting back, taunting the fans back a little bit. Not in like a, in a mean way, but just sort of when the fans would have a go at him, he was chirping, chipping away, talking back to them. And it was like, oh, damn, Steph Curry is not the type of guy to do that. And whenever he does, he usually has a huge game because it shows he's so focused. He's so locked in. It was like... He's like a sniper and his red dot sight is on that basketball hoop and it's just not missing at all this game. And that's how it went. So the whole game, nobody else from the Warriors stepped up. It was basically just Steph Curry versus the Celtics. The whole game, you know, it was very to and fro, right? So Warriors would score, Celtics would score. But the Celtics, whenever they would score, they would get the easiest sort of plays. Golden State basically not trying in defense. Boston, you know, someone would just lob it up near the rim and because they were taller players, just dunk or, yeah, just throw the ball down. Easy shots. Didn't have to work very hard. Had lots of energy to spare. Whereas when Golden State was scoring, it was like they had to use the whole 24 seconds of the shot clock and, yeah, use so much energy and it was almost like miracle plays, miracle shots by Steph Curry. And it was like... Oh, damn. Wow. That's that's special, but how long can you keep this up for? This is like crazy, right? Boston are just running through, walking through basically, just easy passes or met with no resistance and can easily just dunk the ball or lob the ball towards the basket, whereas Golden State is like having to try five or six different things and having to problem solve every time and put up this miracle shot and just hope it goes in. But somehow... They were able to stay with Boston until the fourth quarter. And that was the whole game. Just two and throw. Gold, you know, Golden State would score, then Boston would score. Golden State, Boston, until the fourth quarter. It's like a tie game. And then Golden State's like, damn, we should actually start defending. <laughs> and that's what it came down to in the end. The last five minutes in the fourth quarter, Boston just started bricking their shots, started missing. Um... In the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, right? So Golden State go on to win this game because they scored 17 points in the last five minutes and Boston scored only three points. Uh, Golden State in the last five minutes had nine rebounds 
So that means stopping Boston from getting second chances and getting second second chance opportunities of, of their own when they're on offense. And Boston only had one rebound. So again, Golden State had nine in the last five minutes. Boston had one. Golden State had 17 points. Boston had three. So whenever it's an even game and then that happens in the last five minutes, geez, yep, Golden State ran away with it, won by a like, comfortable 10 points in the end. I think it was 107 to 97. But it just seemed like Boston got tight in the end and realized the pressure sort of got to them. They went away from that sort of easy lobbing, you know, like lobbing it up to a tall player who would just dunk it on Golden State to seeing Steph Curry hit all these crazy threes and they were like, oh, I want to be on the highlight reel. I want to be on ESPN later tonight. I want to be on TikTok and Instagram and have everyone sharing my three points around rather than, hey, just stick with what with what works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's fine. <laughs> like I said, Boston, the whole game, we're just walking it in. Easy passes, not having to sweat. But then at the other end, you're seeing Steph Curry do these crazy highlight reels shots where it was like he's shooting it from half halfway or doing these no-look three-pointers. And then I think Boston were just like, oh, we can do that, right? Let's show everyone we can do that too. <laughs> and then they couldn't. <laughs> they showed they couldn't. Um, but then also as they started missing some shots and Golden State did some great defending, earlier, it, like I should have mentioned before, it you know, the Warriors needed someone in this game for it was crucial for someone else rather than Steph Curry to step up, right? Like that I was saying, Steph has been averaging 30 points. We need Clay Thompson. We need Jordan Poole. We need Andrew Wiggins. Some, even if it's not points, you can contribute with assists. You can contribute defensively with stealing the ball, forcing turnovers, um, blocking shots, just playing with energy, being a leader. We need someone else to contribute in that way. And that's where Clay Thompson... Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins came up huge in Game 4. Andrew Wiggins came up with 16 rebounds at the end of the game. He had 17 points and 16 rebounds, like, far out. That was what won them the game. And then Steph Curry himself finished the game with 42 points, 4 assists, and 10 rebounds. Like, Steph Curry is the shortest player on the field, and he himself is getting 10 rebounds. That shows you, like how much effort and energy he's putting in, but then also the lack of energy and effort that Boston have, right? That should never happen. <laughs> they Boston, every player is taller than Steph Curry on their team, but somehow Steph Curry is out jumping, out hustling, out working everybody for the ball after a miss or a block shot. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so yeah, like in the last five minutes, Golden State ran away with the lead. And Boston, I think, got in their own heads about, oh, we can see this game slipping away. Like, we should be up right now. You know, if we win this game, we're up 3-1 and we basically win the trophy. They're already thinking about the parade, popping the champagne bottles, thinking of the nice big ring, which finger am I going to wear it on? And then Golden State, in the meantime, just snatched the win and even things up at 2-2. And now it's like everything is as it should be. You know, after two home games... In each, for each team, it's two all. Exactly what should have happened. Both teams should have won both home games, and even though that didn't happen, it's like it did. So it's like advantage Golden State again. Um, it goes back now to Game Five in Golden State.
Just some thoughts I had before that I was thinking before today's game five was that I was thinking, you know, if you're Golden State, now you've even up the series and you're quite positive because it's like, oh, even though we're quite down on ourselves and basically everybody before the series start were leaning towards the Celtics and after we lost that game two, it was basically the Celtics series to win and they've kind of thrown it away or handed it back to Golden State now with the series even, but you found your formula to win. You know, hopefully Steph Curry stays healthy. He can keep being like a machine, keep giving you, you know, 30, 40 points. And then you just need one or two people to have 15, 20 points around him and then need Andrew Wiggins or Kevon Looney, someone tall, to just play insane and just secure all the rebounds and outwork, out-hustle Boston, force turnovers late, just rely on your championship DNA. And it's going to be interesting to see if in game five, if the Celtics have a little bit of like a hangover period where, you know, in game four, they started the game really well and moved the ball around, you know, both sides like to play the same type of attack or an offense style, right? Like everybody moving around, creating confusion, you know, unselfish like um, play, lots of, um, you know, driving to the basket, being aggressive and either going to the rim and finishing or passing it out to someone who's open, who has a great shot. And both teams sort of live by that mantra of, you know, pass up a good shot for a great shot. So even though you might have a decent shot and the high percentage sort of play of like, okay, I've got the ball now and I probably have a 60, 70% shot chance of getting this ball in, passing it to the open person that basically has a 100% chance of getting it in both of them like to play like that. Both of them don't like to play hero ball and, you know, if they're double or triple teamed, still go for the shot. They like to go, that's fine. Double me, triple me. I'll find it to someone in the corner who's open or someone else will find the easy layup and we'll take the, the high percentage play. So Boston got away from that in the fourth quarter. I don't know why. Like I said, I think it's the pressure of the moment and I think they just got lulled to sleep or had the you know, heart eye emojis for Steph Curry and, you know, fell in love with, with what he was doing and got a bit jealous with what he, how he was playing and wanted to see if they could, or wanted to show the world that they could also be, you know, Steph Curry 2.0 and do it better, but no one can do it better than him. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to see if in game five, if Boston come out a little bit still indecisive and yeah, aren't really moving the ball well, are a bit stagnant and low effort, low energy, a little bit like, you know, thinking in the past or thinking what could have been, you know, we should have been 3-1 up and, yeah, a little bit like begrudgingly looking at teammates and rolling the eyes a little bit. and Or on the other hand, do Golden State, you know, have a bit of a, a breath out and it's a big emotional win. Like they had to win that game, I think, otherwise they lose the series, like I said before. And do now they step off the pedal a little bit? I think if I was their coach, I'd be saying, you know, great job, love the effort, love the win, but, you know, we got to do the exact same thing, if not even more, back home. Like, remember what happened last time when we were back playing at home? They beat us in our own backyard. They humiliated us. They came and punched us in the mouth. So we know they're going to play even more physical, with more effort, with more energy. We need to be ready for that. And, you know, exactly how we need to how we played tonight, we need to take it up to another level. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see if Golden State 
keeps their foot on Boston Celtics' neck, keeps their foot on the on the pedal, or if they you know start pressing the brake, start you know did that take a lot of energy, a lot of effort out of them tonight? Um, how much gas do they still have left in the tank? Um, we'll see. So then we had game five today on Tuesday. So, and that's like exactly what I was just saying before. If I was interested to see if the Celtics or the Warriors, like which one of them took a step back and for the Celtics, especially, did they come out with a little bit of a hangover? And they did. In the first quarter, the Celtics couldn't really hit any shots. And at one point it was 20 to the Golden State versus four only four points for the Celtics late in the first quarter. And it was like, damn, is this going to be a runaway victory? And I think like the mental space and the psychology of the Celtics, I think that they're in a really bad place at the moment looking at the start of that game going, yeah, I think they were thinking a lot about, you know, the parade and winning. A lot of these players haven't won a title before, haven't won a championship. Like it's going to be their first big win and, champions and you have the parade and again which finger am I going to have the ring on and oh my gosh I'm going to get a massive contract after this and but it's not done you know as Kobe the late Kobe Bryant would say it's like what's there to be happy about you know job finished have we won the title no you know job not finished let's keep going not happy um so then yeah Boston came out very sluggish very slow very stagnant on offense just you know playing isolation, just playing one-on-one basketball, not having their players move around, trying to cut towards the rim, trying to sprint towards, yeah, the basketball hoop and get easy sort of layups or dunks, that sort of thing, or even just be a distraction, be a decoy, create an option, be ready for a pass. Um, Whereas Golden State were doing all those things and, and profiting for it on the other end. So Golden State got out to this massive lead and continue it towards halftime. And then Golden State sort of took their foot off the gas and Boston Celtics start hitting some shots. And in the third quarter especially, you know, before halftime, the Celtics didn't hit a three-pointer in the game. They had 12 shots and they didn't hit a three-pointer. And then after halftime, I think the coach said, I'm going to I'm gonna kill you guys. <laughs> you know, you guys better start hitting your threes. Otherwise, we are losing this series. And the Celtics players were like, oh, shit, we better start actually shooting, guys. Um, coaches for real. But, well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> in the third quarter, Boston came out and they were like, we're going to live and die by the three. We're down a lot. We need to come back. And they started hitting their shots. It's like their, their hoop had a magnet in it and the ball had a magnet and it just was not missing. They hit their next eight or nine shots from three points. So... That's like 24, 27 points from from three-pointers alone there. And that gave them a lot of momentum and a lot of juice and caught them back up in the game. And then it was exactly like game four again, very sort of to and fro. But the difference with this one, you know, all series before in the, in the previous four games, um, you know, Steph Curry, the best player on the Warriors, had anything he wanted. He had open three-pointers, open runs for layups or you know, easy um, mid-range shots. And it was like, damn, Steph Curry is on fire. He's so locked in. If you're Boston, why not double him? Why not triple him the whole time and guard him, you know, like almost doggy guard him and be right in his face and just go, we're going to play, you know, 
super aggressive, super physical with Steph Curry and double him, triple him and make somebody else beat us. Make someone who's hasn't been as informed like Clay Thompson or Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole or Otto Porter Jr. or Gary Payton. Somebody else on the Warriors, someone from the bench is going to have to step up and play amazing because we're going to defend Steph Curry like crazy. And they finally did that. They finally made that switch. <laughs> um, this is why I think, damn, like I could coach, <laughs> put me in coach, put me in as the coach. Um, Boston finally listened to to the media, to the fans, to me going, you can't, Steph, if you, if you allow Steph Curry open three-point shots, he's going to knock them down all day. He's not missing those, you know, and for regular humans out there, <laughs> like those three-point shots are low percentage and very, very hard, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 meters away from the basketball hoop. Usually a regular person is only hitting 20%, 30% of their shots. Steph Curry, he is not human. He is not from this world, from the three-point line. He's His average at the moment is like 50, 60, 70% from three. So he's been crazy. And Boston finally made that adjustment throughout this game. And they were like, we are willing to play. Usually it's five on five basketball. But they were like, we're willing to play four on four or, you know, three on four. We're going to have two people or one person guarding, you know, basically like a, a, a bodyguard for Steph Curry and right in his face, giving him no space to even breathe. We're going to like be right in front of him and... There's no point passing him the ball because we're right next to him. Someone else is going to have to beat us. You know, we're giving wide open shots to the rest of the boys, to the rest of the benchmen, to the um, yeah, all the other bench players or whoever's on the court. They can have a wide open shot, but as long as Steph Curry doesn't have a wide open shot, that's fine with us. Um, so that was working. Like it slowed Steph Curry down. He only had, I think, 18, 20 points that night or today in game five, but yeah, that, they made the wrong sort of bet or, you know, it was the right bet. But, you know, unfortunately for them, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson stepped up and had, you know, 24, 22 points themselves and had quite a few rebounds again. So I think it was the right call making that defensive switch or that tactic change from, oh, we're just going to, you know, we'll allow Steph Curry to have any shot he wants, but we just think our attack is better and we'll be able to, you know, stop you guys more and we'll be able to score more points eventually. Um, I just think, why wouldn't you have done that from earlier games? Like, since then, guys like Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole have been able to develop their confidence slowly. So then in a game like this, they were all able to contribute and sort of get hot and get in form. And now that looks really bad for them in future games because it's like, oh no, damn, everybody's in form now. Like, we stopped Steph, but did you really stop Steph if he still had you know, 20 points, um, you know, Clay Thompson had a quick, like very clutch moments, hit a few clutch three pointers in the fourth quarter. Andrew Wiggins was super aggressive and had quite a few like posters, had a few huge dunks in the end of the game. Um, everybody else, all the bench players were on fire and it just gets them going, gives them confidence going into future games where Golden State is a lot tougher to beat if it's just Steph Curry. And that's one of those things where it's like the catch 22 or you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Like, which, you know, let's let Steph Curry try to beat us and he did, or let's triple team Steph Curry and hope Golden State doesn't beat us. But 
the bench players stepped up tonight and secured the victory for Golden State. Even though they only won by 10, it was still not a very close game. It was, I think, 140 to 94, but still not that close. You know, Golden State subbed in their la- for the last two minutes all their you know, third string players, and it was a shame. Like The one bad thing was that because Steph Curry was guarded so intensely tonight, he was out of rhythm. He didn't hit a single three-pointer in this game. So all the previous, there's this crazy stat where he had, for 123 consecutive playoff games, he hit at least one three-point shot. And I was watching this game where, you know, previously in the game, he'd had nine attempts from three, from the three-point line, and he missed all nine of them. And then Golden State were winning by like 20 points and it was garbage time. And it was like, oh, you know, the right thing to do is take off all your starters right now. Like, you don't want to risk an injury to, you know, Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, Draymond Green, all your starting, your best players, right? You don't want to leave them on the court longer than you need and risk them rolling an ankle or getting injured by a stupid play or something. Um, So get them off, have a rest. But it was like, oh, Steph Curry has this awesome, you know, uh, streak, active streak, this like statistical um, streak at the moment where he's hit a three-point shot in every game, every playoff game uh, in the last 123 games. So it was like, no, coach, I know you're doing the right thing, but leave him out there. <laughs> you know, let him have more shots from three-point. <laughs> He'll do it. He'll get one in eventually, surely. <laughs> but it's crazy. He didn't hit a whole three that night, and his streak ended. And that streak as well, you know, regardless of playoffs, he hadn't, you know, for the last four years, so since November in 2018, he is always, in every game that he's played, he's hit at least one three-point shot. How crazy is that? Oh, it's such a, oh, you know, it's an amazing feat and the accomplishment, the achievement is so commendable, so impressive, but it is, it's such a shame that it's come to an end and I don't know if that streak will ever be beaten, but it was sad tonight not seeing any trademark Steph Curry three-pointers. Um, yeah, he just wasn't in a good rhythm. And I guess credit to him, like, he kept trying. And, you know, he still was able to impact the game in other ways, like assisting for other people on attack or getting lots of layups or two-point plays. Like, he still had 20 points by the end of the night. Um, so not a bad game, but, you know... He had nine attempts from three, so you just think usually he would hit about six or seven of those at least, so that's another 18, 21 points, so he could have had another 40-point game if if he just hit those shots like he usually does, so man, uh, shame to see Steph Curry and that streak end. Oh, so 123 games in a row, playoff games, and... I think it's 233 regular games, just games in general, with having a three-pointer. Man, uh, he's so good. (laughs) I guess not anymore, but he's usually so good. (laughs) Um, Every game, every game since like 2018, he has scored a three-point shot. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. Um, So yeah, Warriors went on to win this game. And now they have control of the series, right? They're winning. You know, it's been five games. 
They've won three of them. Boston has won two, so it's three to two after five games. There's two games to go, if necessary. We go back to Boston now for game six. So it's on Boston's home court. But, you know, Golden State just beat Boston just a couple of days ago in Boston. So, and yeah, if you're the Celtics or you're a Celtics fan, you're very nervous now because not only do you have to win game six to tie it up to, to make it three all, and then you have to go back to Golden State to San Francisco for a game seven and win there. So you need to win the next two games to win the final series. And they better watch out too because there's this, uh, you know, almost like a like a, a ghost story or like a, a fable or like an urban legend type of thing. There's this Game 6 Clay, Game 6 Clay Thompson that usually comes out. You know, and usually in the big playoff series, Clay Thompson has these crazy um, Game 6s where he comes out and just doesn't miss from three-point range, puts up 30, 40 points, plays insane and basically becomes Steph Curry for that game and puts the whole team on his back and secures the victory. He's done that in a lot of Game 6s in the past. And if I'm the Celtics, even though it's not a Game 6 in San Francisco where it usually happens, even Clay has said before, like, he didn't realize it was, you know, there was this Game 6 Clay was even in him or that it was even a thing. But now, you know, the media, the public, the fans... Uh, commentators have all made it a thing and now he's sort of embracing it. So I don't know. I think <laughs> I'd be very nervous if I was a Celtic fan about Clay just absolutely going off and having this nuclear game um, and winning the finals, you know, on their home court. And whilst that wouldn't be the most fun for a Golden State, like you, you want to win the, the, the trophy in front of your own fans, right? Like it would be disappointing because the stadium would be like empty as you're lifting the trophy because you know it's all it's all Celtics fans there like and the Celtics fans don't want to see an opposing team lift the trophy in front of them like you'd want to win in front of your own fans so they're happy for you and cheering for you so who knows maybe Golden State throw the game so they can come back make it interesting and have a game seven back in front of their fans so they can win it in front of their fans (laughs) hopefully that's what the Celtics are rooting for um, damn, I think it's too, it's too far gone now for the Celtics. I think it's really played on their mind, the potential of going up that with that game, what was it? Game four, where there was the potential for them to go up three, one, they threw it away. So they lost that game and they lost game five today. I think because of that as well, they're still a bit stuck in the mud. The gears in their mind are still a little bit, um, you know, stuck on, that potential of being up 3-1 and, yeah, rolling their eyes a little bit, very stagnant, um, yeah, just thinking, oh, you know, we should have we should have won this. It's so easy. We, we're better than this team, but you still have to go out and win, win the games. So, I don't know. Technically, I guess you can say that the series is exactly where it should be, right, you know? Game five was in Golden State on their home court. The Celtics are supposed to lose that game. And now we come back to Boston for game six where the Celtics are supposed to win that game. So then if things happen like they're supposed to, even though it usually doesn't happen that way in sport and in basketball in particular, hasn't happened like that in this series. But who knows? Let's say 
what happens, what should happen does. And the Celtics win at home. And then we come back for a crazy game seven in Golden State where the Warriors should win. But as I've said before, you can never, whatever, you know, whatever should happen in a game seven usually does, um, does not happen. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm happy. I'm a happy Warriors boy, happy Californian boy tonight. Um, yeah, especially for Draymond Green, because <laughs> like I said before, his mum calling him out, that is a madness. That is too much for me. And I think he came out and played insane. Um, he was really attacking the basket. He had a double-double tonight. Like he fouled out again, which he has in three out of these five games. Um, but he had at least 10 points and 10 rebounds as well. And he was, um, yeah, really attacking, trying to finish, trying to score as well as be a great leader and defend and cause, you know, steals and cause block shots. Um, you know, he can provide lots of great passes and usually has a lot of assists in this team, you know, setting good screens for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So they have open shots being like a bodyguard or a bouncer. And, you know, having hands by his sides and making the, the defenders run around his body so that, um, you know, Steph has a clear shot behind him and basically saying, like, no no one shall pass, being like the Gandalf, <laughs> no one shall pass this bridge. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson will have open shots, I say, and assisting them on everything. Um, but then he also got some points himself. So love to see it. I think... It went the right way, even though <laughs> I don't think what his mum did was right. <laughs> um, I think it definitely fired him up and he had a great game tonight and hopefully he can keep taking that, that energy, that positive energy and positive leadership and really attacking the basketball forward into future games. So watch out. We've got a fired up Draymond Green. We've got informed bench players on the Warriors. Steph Curry had a bit of an off night. Didn't hit any three-pointers, which I'm, I'm sad about. But I don't think – I think that will play on his mind, I think, in a good way. And he'll come out super fired up and wanting to show, you know, restart the streak and try to get, you know, game one of a of a 1,000-game three-point streak back uh, or started it up again. So I think he'll come out firing from three. We might have a game six clay. But – yeah, I'm being very biased now. <laughs> that's all That's all the things I'm hoping for. We might just, you know, game six, it's in front of the Celtics fans. They're supposed to win. Maybe they do. And maybe they force game seven. Uh, we'll find out. What do you think will happen? I think, I think Warriors go there. I think Celtics are still a bit disjointed and sour, stuck on they could have, you know, what could have been. And I think Golden State wins it away from home, which is a shame, but... They win the championship in, in six games, which is what I said at the start. If people remember, I remember. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, let me know what you think is going to happen. Will will it go six? Will it go seven games or will it just go six? What do you think? Okay, moving on to another or like the only other major sporting event that's happened um, shots fired. <laughs> There's probably lots of things, but the only other thing that I want to talk about in this episode <laughs> is just this morning we had Australia, the Socceroos, um, so in football or soccer, Australia was versing Peru 
from South America in a World Cup qualifying game. So whichever team won this game uh, is, is through to the World Cup. And it was a crazy game because I was thinking, and I think like the, 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 the bookies, the people that bet on games, uh, had Peru as the favorite, which I think they rightly should, you know, have that, uh, South American flair, have, uh, the better players, um, play in, you know, more high leagues. But then I was thinking, oh, you know, we actually do have, you know, Matt Ryan as our goalkeeper who spent a long time in the English Premier League. Um, you know, we've got Aaron Moy in the, in the center, uh, midfield role who's spent a long, a long time in the EPL as well. Um, we've got some good experience with players like Matthew Leckie on the wing, like sort of coming of age and like had a long time in the Socceroos team now. Um, you know, there's, there's good experience like Jamie McLaren, um, Arnold Mobile, uh, some good A-League talent throughout the team as well. So it's like, oh, we're a bit weak in defense, but hopefully, you know, yeah, Leckie and Aaron Moy and... Mobile, Jamie McLaren, they can poach a goal against this, uh, you know, feisty, flary sort of Peruvian outfit, and hopefully we can steal this game. But it, um, yeah, it was entertaining because Australia actually had the Socceroos had the running of the game during normal time. Um, you know, had more shots on goal, had the better chances, just were a bit unlucky and not able to actually find the ball in the back of the net. Um, and it finished, you know, nil all at full time, which is what I despise the most. But thank goodness, you know, this was a, a meaningful game so that, you know, when it's a draw, when it's nil all especially, we still get, you know, bonus time, bonus football, where we have extra time 30 minutes afterwards. So, you know, w- there's no draws in this game. There's no draws in a World Cup qualifier. Uh, you know, winner, there needs to be a winner that takes the spot. Uh, so then... In extra time, that's where Peru finally woke up and were like, damn, we're like not losing, but, you know, Australia is making us look like crap out here. (laughs) We need to switch on. And then Peru had quite a few chances. Like they hit the post, they hit the bar, they were forcing saves from Matt Ryan, and it was very, very tense, very nervy. I don't really have many fingernails because I've biting them off watching watching this game. Um, But Matt Ryan and... And the gods, the football gods with the, you know, deflections off the post going in our favor were able to keep the ball out in that 30 minutes of extra time. So it forced a penalty shootout. But the biggest story, I guess, was right before the penalty shootout. So it's like the 119th, 120th minute. Both teams are sort of, you know, pulling off the reins a little bit, putting the, you know, taking the foot off the pedal because they don't want to risk losing the game. They're both happy to take it to penalty shootout. The Australian coach, Graham Arnold, is like, you know what, Matt Ryan, who's our goalkeeper, let's bring him off. Let's bring in our our substitute goalkeeper. Let's bring on (laughs) Andrew Redmayne, who plays for the Sydney FC, our A-League team, domestic team, and... It's a tactic that's getting used more and more now that they, the teams, when they go into a penalty shootout, they bring on their substitute, their reserve keeper. So not their their best keeper, but their second best keeper into the game and they become the goalkeeper for the penalty shootout, trying to save the other team's shots and win them the game. And that's such an interesting tactic, isn't it? Because it's like, okay, you've started the game with a better, you know, the goalkeeper who you think is better and, you know, going to play more minutes, but then is there some tactic where, 
your substitute keeper, all you want them to do is like really study the opposing team's penalty takers. And then if it comes to it, they know like, oh, this guy, he always kicks it to the right so that, you know, I'm always going to die to the left whenever he shoots and really like has all these inside information almost about the other team. Whereas like you don't want to burden your normal goalkeeper with that, with all the other film stuff he has to do. So it's like you focus on the, the normal sort of soccer game and then we'll get our substitute keeper. He'll, sub, he'll you know, do all the film analysis when, if it comes to penalty shootout. Yeah, if it comes to it. So it came to it. And this feisty ginger bloke, Andrew Redmayne, is, is ready for it. And my goodness, the antics that he showed. If you haven't watched this penalty shootout, go and watch it. Because, man, he, he was like Manuel Neuer for Bayern Munich, but next level. Like, Manuel Neuer is so intimidating. He's the German national keeper, keeper for Bayern Munich. And he sort of started the intimidation of penalty shootout strikers where he, before they would shoot, like the opposing team would take their shot. He would walk up to the, you know, where they're kicking, have words with them, look them directly in the eye, go back on the line and then get his, you know, hands and hit the crossbar. So it's, you know, jiggling back and forth, it's going up and down, it's vibrating, and then he's, like, going side to side, like, sort of Patrick Star, like a starfish, and, you know, going to left side, going to the right side, running around, um, you know, flicking his, his arms everywhere, trying to do everything to put the striker off, and that's exactly what this Andrew Redmayne guy did, but to a next level. So he was jumping around from left to right. He was jumping around on the floor. He was like making funny faces. He was standing all the way on the right and then making the striker shoot to the left side and run away all the way to the left side and do this diving save to the left. And he won them. He won the Socceroos the game. The Socceroos are through to the World Cup because Andrew Redmayne made two clutch saves in this penalty shootout. And he had to as well because Australia missed their first penalty kick. My, oh, crazy. You should see it as well. Like, he makes the final save. So it's like four all. Peru have the kick to to stay in the game. But then if Andrew Redman saves this, Australia are through. They win the game. Andrew Redman saves it after all this diving antics and, you know, distractions, doing all these decoys, dancing on the line, all that sort of stuff. And then... <laughs> he's got his eyes wide open, eyebrows like up towards his head, you know, jaw to the floor, mouth wide open, looking at the camera, <laughs> squatting down, just looking around like, what? I've done it. I've sent Australia through to the World Cup. It was, you know, similar to that John Aloisi moment, I don't know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago where we had that penalty shootout against Uruguay and a little bit different because... Aloisi was the striker and he scored the goal to send it through. But there was that iconic celebration where he is screaming, running, almost doing a victory lap around the stadium, takes his shirt off, swinging it over his head like a cowboy. Andrew Redmayne had a similar moment where he's, you know, doing all these antics, dancing on the line, putting the striker off, makes a crazy save, and then has this moment where he's like totally gobsmacked and realized the gravity of the situation, what he's just done. Um, so awesome TV, awesome entertainment. Are you not entertained watching that? Um, and Australia, the Socceroos are, are back in the World Cup. Um, it reminds me of, like, it's a similar sort of team to when we, we went on that 06 run where we've got 
a few, you know, young up and coming players who are, you know, around like the top sort of leagues in the English Premier League or in the German League, playing like quality minutes, playing meaningful football, got some experienced players, got some good domestic talent in the team. Um, so big hopes, big, big expectations. It, it should be, you know, congrats to them. It's always a, it's a hard road for Australia. Like we have to play lots of good teams like, uh, you know, Japan and other good like Asian teams or Asia Pacific teams around the world, which usually makes our qualifying path quite hard. And this was our last like gasp, last dish effort to make it into the World Cup. So yeah, should be, you know, yeah, massive shout out to the Socceroos for, for getting there, even though it was the long, the hard way. Um, yeah, and then that puts them through to the World Cup in Qatar in later this year, in 2022, in November. I think November 20 it starts. So exciting stuff. We will leave today's episode with just one question from the Q&A from my Instagram at TomPatterson97. Um, yeah, keep sending me your suggestions or your questions, um, even just showing me love. I really appreciate your support so far. But yeah, you want any questions or something talked about on this on Tom's takes on this podcast, send me a message at TomPatterson97 on Instagram or send me a DM on Facebook. Um, so we'll, we'll end on just one question, which I got this morning, which along the same sort of Socceroos World Cup um, vibe, and it's from Harry, and he says, okay, now that, you know, it's all well and good that Australia got into the World Cup, but how much of a realistic chance do you give ourselves of getting out of the group when we're playing France, Tunisia, and Denmark? Yeah, thanks for your question, uh, Harry. Um, Great point. I think, yes, how much of a realistic chance do I give them? Um, I think France, France is a hard L for us. We are losing that game, I think, like 5-0. France won the previous World Cup, and I think their team has gotten even better. Um, yeah, they are very, very good. And if we can somehow draw that game, like, we just need to park the bus um, <laughs> and just hope we can keep them out. Um Whatever we can do to just steal a draw in that game would be fantastic. Um, but that's an L for us. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out there. Denmark and Tunisia. Denmark's decent. Denmark went on quite a bit of a run in the recent European um, tournament, in the Euros in 2021, just last year. They made it to the, the semis, I think. Like they had an incredible effort after, you know, Christian Eriksen had that crazy um, incident where he was having a heart attack. He went into cardiac arrest on the field just randomly. And he his own players like ended up saving his life, doing CPR on him straight away. And yeah, Denmark sort of rallied as a nation, rallied as a team and went on this incredible run, similar to like Iceland in the Euros or the World Cup a few years ago as well, which was just sort of very unpredictable, unexpected, but awesome to get behind. It's such a, it's so cool when there's like underdog stories in, in these big tournaments and you think, I don't know, what's the point of the Socceroos? Like it it doesn't, you know, sure. Congrats for the Socceroos for getting to the world cup, but they're never going to win it. But I know it's always cool to see. It's not about the Socceroos winning the world cup because I don't think they'll ever win the world cup because there's too much quality in Europe, in South America in particular. So, but for us to get to like 
to try and do what we did in 2006, where we got to, what did we get to? Quarterfinals against Italy, and we had that heartbreak with the Fabio Grosso diving penalty. Um, was it a penalty? Was it not? That's very divisive. I think it depends who you ask. If you ask Italians, <laughs> they'll tell you clear penalty, <laughs> red card. If you ask Australians, it's like that's the biggest disgrace in football and, you know, cheaters, Italians, <laughs> never never go to Italy, <laughs> um, can never trust Italians. They always flop. They always dive. Um, but it would be be cool. I like you, well, you know, Denmark have shown that they can be one of those underdog teams and are, just, are definitely not like a – easy win or an easy draw for Australia. So I think we will find it hard in that game. And T- Tunisia's no scrub as well. Like they, a lot of their players play um, in those high leagues that I was talking about in, you know, the League One in France or in the Bundesliga in Germany or even in the EPL. Um, so it doesn't look good for Australia. I think it's a very low percentage chance. Like, so I think France easy wins the group and then it's just who who wins more games or who's able to steal more points against each other when we play Denmark or play Tunisia. Like, we need to win one of those games at least. And, again, we have to try and do something against France. Like, we have to try and draw against them because France is likely to beat Denmark and beat Tunisia, so then it might come down to, you know, who, who does best against France, right? Um... France, France, France. <laughs> I should be saying that better, maybe. France, France. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I give us a low chance, but it's the top two in the group progress to the next phase. So it, we don't need to win the group, and we're, we, there's no way we're winning the group. <laughs> Very pessimistic outlook on this take. <laughs> um, but need to be able to, you know, there was a... New Zealand, I think, not last World Cup, but the World Cup before. I think in, maybe, no. Which one was it? Not South Africa. There was a World Cup recently where New Zealand were in a really tough group in against, like, Italy and other, other nations. I can't remember. But they, like, drew every game. And sometimes that could be enough. Like, just getting three points if things go your way, like three draws, that could be good. Um, but yeah, usually you need to win at least one game to get through. So we need to, we need to beat Denmark or we need to beat Tunisia. And I think both Denmark and Tunisia are about equal, equal strength, equal strength of opponent, equal, yeah, about as good as each other. So best case scenario, we draw against France and we're able to beat Denmark or beat Tunisia and get four points out of a potential nine or maybe get five points. Like we draw against Denmark or we draw against Tunisia and the other one we win and we draw against France and we can get five points. That's, that's the only way I see it. But I think in, in reality we might get a hard donut, just a big fat zero <laughs> and we're like everybody else's easy game. Um, but who knows? It's world cup. Anything can happen. Uh, let's see. <laughs> that's my very pessimistic view <laughs> uh yeah let me know let me know if i'm wrong with that <laughs> uh okay uh, we're gonna leave it there for today i appreciate you all listening uh keep sending me your questions and suggestions at tom patterson 97 on instagram um yeah you guys have shown me so much love so far really appreciate it 
We'll come back in a few days, talk about game six of the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've got that starting game one, I think, tomorrow, where my team, sadly, the New York Rangers were knocked out. So we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, as I predicted, uh, playing Pav's team, the Colorado Avalanche from the West Mm -hmm. in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the biggest trophy in sport. Literally, not like the biggest in significance, but... It's a really big trophy. Look it up. <laughs> Just type in the Stanley Cup and look at all these hockey players lifting this crazy silver uh, trophy. It's it's massive. Fun fact, it can hold apparently, uh, I think, 14 beers, like 14 um, like servings of alcohol of like, yeah, standard beers can go in there because usually the team captain, as they're getting presented that trophy, you know, pours like beers into that trophy that can fill up the the top of it and does a massive skull so yeah it's huge anyway we'll have that i'll talk a bit about hockey (laughs) um so who wins game one um and then we can get into some nfl things that have been happening uh yeah anyway we're gonna leave it there i appreciate you listening whatever time it is for you wherever you are right now keep having a great day thanks for listening Uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.